All right, well, today we are continuing our series titled Jesus. We're going to go one more week today, and then next week I'm going to conclude this series next week. Our theme scripture in this series has been, it, it, the, the title comes straight from the Word of God, from this scripture in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, you'll remember, friends, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, that when I first came to you, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus and who he is, and then Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. Come on, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for who you are, Lord Jesus. Thank you for what you did for us, that you not only crucified on the cross, but you were buried, rose again. And we thank you, Lord, that you're coming back again, Lord, that you're very present with us today. Well, Lord, help us as we continue to get into your word and hear and read about you, that you give us the grace that we can live for you and glorify you and be obedient to you in all that we do. Allies, again, we just did. We surrender our lives, our hearts, this service, this time to you. Help me as I preach your word this morning, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, again, if you're our guest, you know, I'll just recap this series. We started this beginning of last month and week one, we talked about Jesus, the teacher. Week two, Jesus, the shepherd. Week three, Jesus, the miracle worker. Week four, Jesus, the lamb. Week five, which was uh, Easter Sunday, Jesus, the risen king. Last week, we talked about how Jesus is God. And today I'm here to tell you that Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. This is the most mentioned, one of the most mentioned subjects about Jesus in the New Testament. Matter of fact, out of the 27 books of the New Testament, 23 books talk about Jesus returning. There's over 300 verses in the New Testament about Jesus' return. So before I read the scripture in Acts chapter 1, just to recap, we know Jesus came down fully God, but came down as man, was born on this earth. He lived his life, last three years of his life, he ministered, he started what's known as his public ministry. Then he was crucified on the cross, he was buried, of course he was resurrected, which we celebrate a few weeks ago. And then he, he, after he was resurrected, he appeared and, and walked around and taught his disciples again for approximately about 40 days, and then he ascended into heaven. So with all that being said, then we pick up in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, says this. After he said this, now what was this? After he said this was his final words, his instruction, his mission, which is called the Great Commission, commission, and his vision that he wants us to live out as a church. So just to clarify what this means, after he said this, after they gave us the, the Great Commission, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. It was two angels. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you to heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Again, church, Jesus is coming again. Here are some truths that you need to know about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. First, Jesus will come unexpectedly. He will come unexpectedly. Matter of fact, if you're on the, on the uh, Bible app or if you see our paper notes, I'm starting to do something a little different. You actually got some fill in the blanks now, right? And so I've been wanting to do that and I just thought about it as I was preparing Thursday and contacted Amanda and so got you something to, to, if you like to write and take notes and even on the, the, on the, on, on the, the app, you can, you can take notes with it. So Jesus will come unexpectedly. 
Matthew 24, 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So they, he's asking, the disciples asking Jesus about the end of the age and when he would be coming back. He was telling them that he would be going away from them. So they asked this question. Jesus goes on to tell them what these signs will be. If you continue, and I encourage you, if you've never read through the book of Matthew, especially Matthew 24, you will see Jesus says that these signs will be wars and rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, Christians being arrested and persecuted and even killed. And he said sin would run rampant everywhere. Are we seeing this, church? Now, we could very well be the generation that sees the Lord's return just based on this. As I was telling my wife about this message and when I was preparing, and I talked about the wars and rumors of wars, she made a very good point. You know, and not only is there wars and rumors of wars, we think of wars as, of course, nation going to war against nation. But now war looks totally different. People are going to war online every day. There's online wars every single day. There's wars in our streets right now, right? There's, there's war everywhere we look, uh, amongst family, amongst coworkers. I mean, just this week, I mean, I mean, just you, you turn on the news and, and there's, there's so much violence and hate and attacking. So even that meaning of wars and rumors of war takes on a whole different genera- uh, meaning in this generation. But some people would say, yeah, but Brandon, you know what? Every generation could have said that because all these things happened in other generations as well. Now, I truly believe and I think you can see that these things have ramped up, right? And so you can say, yeah, every other generation could have said that. That's true, but I left out the last one. And I'm going to read it. Verse 14 says this, Matthew 24, 14. Jesus says, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world. So that all the nations will hear it. That word nations actually means people groups. It's not just, you can have 200 different people groups in one nation. So that's what that word literally means. And listen to what he says. And then the end will come. So listen to this. Every other generation could have said the whole list of wars, famines, all of that. But we are living in the first generation to literally see the gospel go across the whole globe. Because of the way, yes, Amen. Yeah, come on, you can give God glory for that. That's a, that's a blessing. Some of y'all are like, I'm not sure if I should clap. <laughs> we are the first generation to see the gospel literally grow across the whole planet. One, and, and it increased over the years because of the way we can travel, but mainly because of technology. No other generation has been able to literally pipe in the gospel at every, at any nation that has it, that can, and even with travel, that people that may not have it, we can travel in the technology. So we're literally the only generation that can say the gospel has been preached all across the globe. And I know there may still be some unreached people groups. There's still, I don't know if you knew this, there's still primitive people that are living like up in trees and mountains in different parts of the country. Do you know that? Still primitive, like that. I mean, no, no nothing, you know, and there, but there's missionaries that are constantly working, but the gospel has literally gone out across the world. So we could be the generation that sees the Lord return because it's easy to just say, yeah, he's going to come unexpectedly, but all these other generations, no, just remember that we're the first generation to see this happen. Jesus goes on to say, and this is the reason I'm telling you this, that many people will get distracted with this world and forget, and it will cost them dearly. Matthew 24, 4 and 40 and 44 says, two men will be working in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. 
Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready at all times, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. I've even heard people say, yeah, we don't know the exact time, but I think we can hone in on the seasons. I don't agree with that. Why? Because Jesus said he'll come when we least expect it. And that even that theory that, well, we know about what time he would come. He made it clear if a bird, if a homeowner knew even like a burglar is going to break in sometime this week, he would stay up all night, every night that week, right? Knowing he said, you, you're not going to know when I, when you least expect it. And the apostle Paul later says the same thing. First, first Thessalonians five, two, for you know quite well that the day of our Lord's return will come unexpectedly. He used the same terminology like a thief in the night. See, we're living in a very unique generation. The amount of people, going back to what Jesus said, being saved went up exponentially in the um, er, the late 90s and early 2000s. Matter of fact, I got this little chart. Put up that chart, Doug. This is only in China. Look at this from in China. Look at from 1949 and right about at the 90s, it went from a slow decline. Look how much it just like shot up. This is only in, in the country of China. Now that three, that's a percentage, but I'm going to give you some numbers right here to show you what I'm talking about. This is, this is from a, um, a poll from last year. It says Protestant Christianity is the fastest growing faith in China with at least 38 million today, which is about 3% of the population, up from 22 million a decade ago. So that's multiplication, y'all. That's not just, as you can see, a slow little increase and then it shoots straight up. But actually, this is according to the government. And so the truth is the number is probably much higher than that, maybe even doubled. According to a recent uh, study from the University of Notre Dame, they believe that it could be doubled because we know we've had uh, a missionary from China here that China Christians, Protestant Christians, worship in unregistered and underground churches. So this is the government's numbers, but this number actually is way higher than that. So this is not only in China, though, church. This is across the globe. I mentioned it last week, too, like in Cuba. Cuba's been so closed off because of communism. Now it's wide open. Now we've got missionaries with boots on the ground in, China, uh, in Cuba. So you may be thinking, okay, yeah, that is great. And you may be thinking, well, but we're seeing more wickedness than ever before. Wouldn't you agree with that? I just mentioned, we see the numbers of salvations going sky high, but we also see wickedness and ungodliness increasing exponentially as well. But you know what? This is true, and Jesus said this would happen. Matthew 24, 12, sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. When we see the way people are treating each other today, we know that the love of many has grown stone cold. Isn't that right? See, but both the increase of sin and salvations is another sign of the times, right? Because that's what Jesus said. He said that sin would run rampant and the love of many would grow stone cold and the gospel would be preached across the whole planet, right? So we're seeing that this time we could be living in this generation where Jesus is coming back. Secondly, Jesus is coming back to get his church. Jesus is coming back to get me and you. His main motivation is to come back to get you. Why? Because he wants to be with you. He wants to be with us. John 14, 3, Jesus said, after I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you, look at this, to be with me so that you may be where I am. Jesus longs to physically be with us, right? He's the bridegroom. We are the bride. 
How is this going to happen? I read this a couple of weeks ago for Easter. 1 Thessalonians 4, 14 and 17. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, look at this. We also believe that when Jesus returned, Paul didn't say if, right? He said when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout in the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First the Christians who have died will rise up from their graves. Then together with them, we who are alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to be with the Lord in the air. Listen to what it says. Then we will be with the Lord forever. The Lord's motivation to come back for his church is so we can be with him. He longs to be with us. See, Christ's return from heaven will be personable, visible, and a glorious day. See, when he first comes back, as we read, he's going to come back and, and, and to, to take his church out of here. That's the rapture. That's when he says we'll be caught up. And then we'll be caught up with him. But then he's actually going to take us to church and come back uh, after the great tribulation, we're going to come back with him where he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years and then eventually set up the new heavens and the new earth. See, he will establish the earth to its original state before the fall of man in sin. There will be no more crying, no more pain, no more hospitals, no more death, no more funerals, no more violence. Why am I telling you all this? Because you might have grown up or may even think like some people, I heard a pastor say, man, I grew up not that excited about going to heaven or being with the Lord because he said, I thought I was just going to be like, you know, this little fat angel with wings on a cloud playing the harp all day. Like literally he said, I thought that I thought heaven was going to just be, yo, that's not what heaven's going to be like. He says, I'll set up a new heavens and a new earth. All of these things, it's going to be a true kingdom. Well, we rule and we reign and we live free of all the junk that we're dealing with today. Amen. Amen. And he's coming back to get us so we can be with him for all eternity. Man, isn't that great news? But there's also some bad news. Number three, Jesus will come back to judge the earth. I knew I wouldn't go get no amens right there. One of the things that's going to happen when Jesus comes back is judgment. And this is going to happen because God is just. Look at 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 and 7. In his justice, he will pay back those who persecute you. That's just a encouraging side note. Hey, you know how Jesus said, uh, the Lord said, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. And those that hurt you, those that do your own, the Lord says, when he comes back in his justice, he, he's going to take care of that. God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. He will come with his mighty angels in flame and fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those, listen to this, who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is an outright refusal, a rejection of the gospel. They will be punished with eternal destruction forever, separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. When he comes on that day, he will receive glory from, his, glory from his holy people, praise from all who believe, and this includes you who believe what we told you about him. And as we read that, some people say, man, well, that's harsh. Well, actually, it's not. It's not at all. First of all, it's just. God in his justice. God is a just God. You know, as a matter of fact, think about it this way. If an earthly judge looked at all the evidence of somebody that committed a heinous crime and let that person go freely, we would call that injustice, wouldn't we? 
We would say this guy is not, he's a crooked or corrupt judge because this person committed a heinous crime. He just let him go free, right? Where our God is a just God as well. Just as loving and kind as he is, he's also a just God. See, and it's not harsh because the only reason Jesus hadn't returned yet is because he's being patient with people because he doesn't want anybody to experience eternal destruction or be separated from him. So that's why if he, if, if he was that harsh, he wouldn't have been waiting all this time. Because again, every generation before us, even the people that wrote the Bible thought they were living in the last days. So that, that lost some people to sleep. Well, man, well, well, you know, they said that he was coming back and that was 2,000 years ago. Hey, don't think that way. Don't think that way. Because in even though he's just, we know our God is loving, kind, and merciful, and especially patient. Look at what Peter says in 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not being slow in doing what he promised the way some people understand slowness. But God is being patient with you. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. He wants everyone to change their ways and stop sinning. But the day of the Lord, but when the day of the Lord comes again, it will surprise everyone like the coming of a thief, right? They all use the same terminology as their Lord. Jesus said it, Paul saying it, Peter saying it. Hey, listen, He's being patient with people. He's giving people a chance. Man, people say, how can this loving God send people to hell? I say this all the time. This scripture makes it clear. He's being patient to let as many people as possible come to accept the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He made a provision. See, judgment is coming, but our loving and merciful God is being patient and giving everyone a chance to get the justice that's coming to them paid for. See, all of us had justice coming to us, but God made a provision. You don't have to pay for it yourself. I don't have to pay for it. If you're watching at home, listen, our sins deserve justice, and justice is coming, but we don't have to pay for it ourselves. That's the great news. See, those who end up in hell isn't because they're worse off people than us, right? We all sinners, right? Everybody. Right? If you think, man, it's because I, I'm, I've been a good Christian, I've been doing, no. The Bible says we all sin and fall short of God's glorious standard, right? So it's not because people are worse off than us. It's because they've rejected God's provision of justice, which is Jesus, and they will have to pay for it themselves. See, hell is a literal, constant, tormenting place that God never intended for you or me to go. But it is real. It's a real place. There's been a, a deceptive doctrine over the years that's creeped into the church that hell is not a real place. Church, it's real. If you're listening to me, it is a real place. I hope these scriptures remind you today, judgment is coming. And when he used the words like eternal destruction and punishment, I promise you, he wasn't playing when he said that. But he loves us so much, he made a provision for us. See, if you reject God's truth of, of God's provision and of Jesus, justice is coming but I'm telling you this today because I so desperately don't want that to happen to you. And it doesn't have to happen, right? If we all would repent of our sins, turn to the Lord and accept the provision that he made for our sins. Amen? So since Jesus is coming again, as we wrap this up, what should we do? Well, first, as a church, those of us that are saved and are born again, we should make reaching people a priority. We should make reaching people a priority. I'm, her, I'm hoping to stir up everybody that's listening to me today, both those that know the Lord and those that may not yet. You know, I know this is not easy. It can be hard work. It can be tiring. It could literally be expensive. 
But it's the most important thing we can ever do on this planet is reaching other people. Look at what Jude says. Again, look at the, the, the language that the, that the Lord Jesus and the disciples are using about eternity. Jude 1, and 23, it says, Help those who have doubts. Rescue those who are living in danger of hell's fire. This is real, y'all. We have the responsibility to try to help as many people as we can know the Lord. To, to speak the truth, to love on them, to tell them the truth. It says, rescue those who are living in danger of hell's fire. I was just reminded that, uh, I know Pastor Todd at their, at their intersection of their house, they've seen some major accidents there. And one time there was a car on fire, right, Pastor Todd? And I remember him saying that, that he had that visual as, as him and a neighbor was trying to bust up, open the, 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 the glass of the vehicle because it was on fire. And this person there was either going to burn up or maybe the car would explode. And I remember him coming to church on that Sunday and telling us, man, what a visual of hell right there. But Pastor Todd and his neighbor rescued that person out of that vehicle so they wouldn't burn. Amen. We have the same thing. And listen, if that person would have burned up, maybe they could have got help. Maybe they could have went to the hospital. Y'all, when this life is over, I read it yesterday. The Bible says it's appointed for a person to die once, then comes judgment. When we breathe our last here, it's over, y'all. That's it. We don't get another chance. Some of you may have grew up like I did in a domination that believes that, you know, there's a holding place and stuff. That's not biblical. Hebrews said it's appointed for man to die one time. That's it. Then comes judgment. And we just read about what that judgment will be. Again, we don't have to experience that judgment if we know the Lord, and if we help others to know the Lord. There are people all around us who are living in danger of experiencing hell's fire for all of eternity. See, and I know I want to encourage you. A lot of you are doing this already. So I want to encourage you. If you are, if you're reaching people, you're loving people, you're telling people about the Lord, inviting people to church, man, keep doing it. I want to encourage you. If not, begin to make it a priority. Because as we just read, Jesus is going to come unexpectedly and we don't have a lot of time left. Because either he's going to come or, again, in just two, maybe three weeks, I did two funerals for people under the age of 50. So if you're younger in here, like me, because I'm in my 40s, we young, right? Amen? It just reminds us, you know, a lot of times, and even younger than us, you in your 30s, 20s, and your teenagers and kids in here, oh, man, I'm going to live forever. No, that's not true. It, it reminds me day in and day out, week in and week out, as we continue to do funerals for younger people, y'all, we don't have a lot of time left. Whether it's the Lord coming or if it's our last day, we should be prepared and we should be trying to help everybody be prepared as well. All right. So listen, I want to encourage you, leave you an encouragement. Some of you helped out with this just last week because of what you gave in the missions offering to Cuba. And we added some money from our missions account. We were able to be a part of planting four new churches on the island of Cuba. Come on, give yourself a round of applause. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you for your faithfulness. So even though you may never, and I hope you do, I hope we, we can get a trip back there soon. You may never step foot in Cuba, but if you gave yesterday, I mean, last week, you got a part of souls getting saved and getting snatched from that fire on the island of Cuba. Amen. And that's why we pick up missions off. And that's why we got next, next, uh, next month, we got Cole Lusby, Pastor Cole from Chi Alpha. He's going to be with us. We're going to pick up an offering for that. So prepare. If you want to give to the college students, reaching college students at Chi Alpha, we're going to do that. In July, Fabian from Iraq's going to be here with us. If those of y'all that heard him, we're going to have an opportunity to partner with him and, and give to listen the gospel going out across the globe. From UL Lafayette to Cuba and Iraq and everywhere in between. Amen. 
We want to be a part of making it a priority to reach people. Amen. Secondly, we need to stay focused on eternity. I know I share the scripture a lot because it reminds me and I want to encourage you. Colossians 3, 2 and 3. I read it in the, in the Amplified and I love how it says it here. Set your mind, look at this, and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which only have temporal value. For you died to this world and your new real life is hidden in Christ. That's what baptism is. That's a symbol of that. These people are going to get baptized next service. It's symbolic that they died to their old life and they rise in a body of the water to a new life in Christ. When Christ, who is our life, appears, comes again, then you also would appear with him in his glory. We've got to set our minds and focus on the realities of heaven. That's how the New Living says it. Stay focused on the realities of eternity. We can get so distracted and so disillusioned with this life. Isn't that true? We get disillusioned by all, again, the wickedness and the sin and the, and the frustration and the anger and the hate and the violence and the maybe discouragement in your personal life. Maybe if you got sickness or a tough marriage or a wayward child, sometimes we get, we get discouraged. We get distracted and we get disillusioned. This life will let us down, and that's why our focus and our hope needs to be on eternity. 2 Corinthians 4.18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Listen to this, for what is seen is temporary, right, y'all? It's just passing, it's going to fade away. But what is unseen is eternal. We focus so much on what's in front of us, and sometimes we lose sight on what's going to last forever. This world and everything that we're doing. I mean, I, I get it. We got to go to work. We got to pay bills. It's good. Hey, look, God wants us to have fun. All, all these, these kind of things. But listen, let that not be the main focus. We got to remember there's an eternity out there that we're going to spend and hopefully others are going to spend there with us, right? See, the generations before us knew this. That's why, and some of you may know, some of the, the old hymns, a lot of the old hymns were focused on heaven, right? They were focused on eternity, that, you know, the by and by and in heaven and being caught up with Jesus. And, and a lot of them focused on the realities of heaven. So listen, it would be good for you to do the same thing in your hard days. On your good days, but especially when days get hard, times get tough, think about it, maybe even sing about the day when Jesus comes back. Oh, what a glorious day that will be, right? And when we begin to spend all of eternity with him. Right, man, this life is like a vapor. I mean, this life is so short compared to an eternity that never, ever, ever ends. I mean, we can't wrap our human brain around that, right? You ever stop for a minute and try to think of like never ending? We really can't do it, right? Because everything, this day has an end and a beginning. The service, a beginning and ending. The, the week, the month, the year, everything, even our life on earth ends. But eternity will never end. We won't be able to comprehend it until we get glorified bodies and a glorified brain, right? That's, that we'll be able to understand. We got to stay focused on eternity. Come on, that's the great hope, y'all. That's the great hope. I don't know about you, but for me, I mentioned it last week, or I, I may have mentioned it might have been Easter Sunday, where I mentioned I was getting kind of discouraged about people that had died and passed away. And then I thought, man, the great hope of the resurrection is we're going to see him again and spend all of eternity with him, right? That's the blessing. And then the third and final thing as we close, be ready at all times. All of us in here, no matter where you are at home, be ready at all times. Jesus himself said, you must also be ready all the time. For the Son of Man will come when least expected.
So how do you get ready and stay ready? Well, if you are ready, Peter encourages in 2 Peter 3, the day of the Lord, when the day of the Lord comes again, will surprise everyone like the coming of a thief. The sky will disappear with a loud noise. Everything in the sky will be destroyed with fire and the earth and everything in it will be burned up. I heard somebody say, man, don't worry about global warning. The Bible says the earth is going to be burned up anyway. So anyway, it's a side note. Everything will be destroyed in this way. So what kind of people should you be? He's talking to the church. Your lives should be holy and devoted to God. So if we're saved, if we're born again, if we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, disciples, followers, all of the above, we should live, first of all, holy lives, not contaminated with sin. I was reading in Colossians this morning, and he talks about doing away with, with, with the sinful nature, with sexual immorality and lust and all these different things. We should live holy and pure lives and let there be lives that are devoted to God. Listen, church, the time for playing games is over. It's over. If you've been teetering on the fence here and there when your devotion, your relationship with God, listen, Jesus is coming unexpectedly. And I tell you what, even as the church, he's encouraging the church, be ready. Jesus said, keep watch. I want to live a life that's holy and devoted to God, and I encourage you to do the same thing. We must continue to live holy lives that are devoted to our Lord. And then you may be asking yourself, man, am I ready? You may already be thinking about that. Am I ready for eternity? I made it clear. Whether we die, it's appointed once for us to die, and then we're going to stand the judgment, or Jesus is going to come back, and there will be judgment on the earth. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm so thankful yesterday at this funeral when I asked that question, and, and I gave an invitation. A few people, even some of the family, raised their hands to get saved. And I, I, I would, you at home, you here, I hope that if you don't know, if you're not sure, if you're ready to meet the Lord Jesus Christ or what you're going to experience on that day, either when you die or when He comes back, I encourage you to get ready today. Remember, our sin deserves justice. See, we have charges against us, so to speak. But God made a way so we don't have to face these charges. You know, like in the criminal law, somebody can press charges against somebody, but then they can drop the charges, Right? We don't have to face the charges because, again, of the Lord's provision. Colossians 2, 3, and 14. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. We were spiritually dead. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. He's talking to the church, but this is for everybody. Look how he did it. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. All of us had charges against us. But Jesus died on the cross. And when they were nailing those nails into his hand, every pounding was canceling every sin away from us. He made the provision. He gave it to us. But we read earlier, some people will reject it and say, no, I don't believe that. Or no, I don't think that's right. I don't Listen, y'all. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We talked about it last week, right? There's only one way. And it's Jesus. There's only one way to get right with God, to be forgiven of your sins, and for the justice to be paid for so you don't have to pay it yourself. And here's the provision. Jesus died on the cross for us. So how do you get ready? Jesus himself said it, Luke 13 and 3. And you will perish. And that's for eternity he's talking about. You will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. Repentance means to turn away. 
and then turn to God and ask him to forgive you. In verse 5, he says it again. He reiterates it. No, I tell you again, unless you repent, you will perish too. See, the reason Jesus always talked about, they even say that he talked about hell more than he talked about heaven because he loves us so much. And he made a way that we don't have to go there. Amen? Why don't you do me a favor and bow your head with me. Close your eyes. Even at home, even if you're watching at home, just bow your head. And I'm going to ask that question again. Are you ready? Jesus is coming back again. Amen? And He's coming unexpectedly when we least expect it. And if we're not ready, judgment is coming to the earth. And it's not the planet. It's the people on the earth. Because we've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. And those wages, the Bible says in Romans, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of life, our eternal life, through Christ Jesus is what he offers. We all have charges against us, but he canceled those charges and nailed them to the cross. If you say, Brandon, I'm not sure I'm ready, man. If today's my last day on this planet, or if Jesus comes back today, right now, I don't know if I'd be ready, but I want to get ready. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray with you. Hands going up over here to my right. In the middle. Anybody else? Even at home, lift up your hand. I can't see it, but just acknowledge it to the Lord. Anybody else? Over here to my left. In the back. Hands are still going up. You say, Brandon, I want to make sure I'm ready. That I'm ready. I want to receive the free gift of salvation. Anybody else? All right. Thank you, Lord. Hands still going up over here by the sound booth. Thank you. Anybody else before we pray? Those of you that raised your hands, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Jesus said, repent of your sin and turn to God. Repent means to really to rethink. It means to turn away, ask him to forgive you, and then turn to him for forgiveness and make him your Lord and Savior. Come on, can we do that? We're all going to do that together. Those of you that raised your hands, even if you're watching at home online, I want you to just pray something along these lines. It don't even have to be exact. I'm just giving you a little direction to pray. The main thing is that you believe in your heart. That word means to trust. And then confess Jesus as your Lord. Come on, would you pray? All pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. I receive the free gift of salvation. But Lord, I know that I've sinned and I repent of my sin this morning and I turn to you and make you my Lord and Savior. Now Lord, give me the grace, the strength, the passion, and the power to live for you and to reach other people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's, let's celebrate with these this morning. God bless you. Congratulations and God bless you. Hey, if you made that decision for the first time or the first time in a long time, maybe you, you've been away from the Lord and maybe you needed to rededicate your life. Maybe you did that. Fill out a, the, the connection card in front of you. Bring it to the info center. We have a Bible. want to help you online. There's a connection card link as well. The rest of you, why don't you stand up? Let me pray for you and, and, and bless you as you go. Hey, listen, for the rest of us, for all of us now, hopefully everybody in here is ready. But why don't the rest of us pray? Come on, how many of y'all say, Brandon, I need to make reaching people more of a priority in my life. If that's you, would you slip up your hands? Come on, I still got both my hands up. Even though I do this full time, I still, I still say, Lord, give me a greater urgency. 
Come on, just if that's you, let's just pray. Lord, would you break our heart for, for lost souls, Lord? Well, we have a burden for those that are in danger of, of hellfire, Lord. You don't want anybody there. It was never intended for people. So, Lord, would you help us? Would you give us the same heart you have for those that are lost and that have, have are going away from you, Lord? Would you give us the burden, Lord God, to make reaching people, loving people, serving people, helping people, Lord God, a priority in our lives. In Jesus' name, now, come on, maybe you need to have more of a, a, a life of holiness. Maybe you've been, maybe you've been tampering with sin. You've been playing with sin, dabbling with the world. Come on, maybe you need to recommit to holiness this morning. First repent and ask the Lord to forgive you and then ask him to help you to live holy and devoted to him. Lord, would you help us? You're coming back for a pure and spotless bride, Lord. Would you, Lord God, cleanse us with your blood. Forgive us of our sin. Help us to live holy lives before you that are devoted and sold out to you. Just as we started this service in surrender, we ended in surrender again, saying, Lord, we want to live for you, love you. We know you're coming back. We want to reach as many people, Lord God, as we can that we can all rejoice as we spend eternity with you, Lord. We love you. We glorify you. Thank you for what you've done in here today and what you're going to continue to do. Bless these as they go to Today, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, God bless y'all. We love y'all. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be down here. Hey, and I want to encourage you, grab a cup of coffee, maybe stay for half the worship set, and I encourage these are getting baptized next service. We'll be down here if you need anything. God bless. Have a great day.